they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Just finishing up his show, so he's coming in momentarily. So we're gonna, usually we start off with the, the gospel of the day. We are, by the way, still in Christmas time. So Merry Christmas, everyone. We still have till the end of the week. The baptism of the Lord is Sunday. Mm-hmm. So we're still celebrating Christmas. And uh, the readings this week, um, the first reading is actually from the letter of John, the first letter of John. I would encourage everyone to read that letter. It's awesome. And essentially what John is talking about is the reality of the fact that we're supposed to love because God loved us first. And love doesn't consist in the fact that we love God, but that he loved us first. And love, if you want to know what love is, go to St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, and he talks about love and what it really is. Love is not necessarily a warm, fuzzy feeling. Yes, it involves our emotions, but love is an act of the will. And in that act of the will, I will the good of the beloved. But the first movement of love in the human being is to see good in the beloved and will to take delight in it. So we look for the good in one another and we will to take delight in the good because any good in us comes from God and we thank God for it. So uh, please read that first letter of John. Uh, Today, uh, chapter 4, verses 7 through 10 was the reading. But to get on to the gospel, the gospel is from Mark's gospel, chapter 6. And it's a gospel according to Mark. When Jesus saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them. For they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. By now it was already late, and his disciples approached him and said, This is a deserted place, and it is already very late. Dismiss them so that they can go to the surrounding farms and villages and buy themselves something to eat. He said to them in reply, Give them some food yourselves. But they said to him, Are we to buy 200 days wages worth of food to give it to them to eat? He asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. So he gave orders to have them sit down in groups on the grass. The people took their places in rows by hundreds and by fifties. Then taking the five loaves and the two fish, And looking up to heaven, he said the blessing, broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples Mm -hmm. to set before the people. So also he divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up 12 wicker baskets full of fragments and of what was left of the fish and the loaves. Those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, in this beautiful gospel, we have what we call divine intervention. Mm. Jesus is God, truly God and truly man, really lived on earth. And as God, he can create things out of nothing. And he can take what we have and multiply it and make more of it. 
So, you know, modern scholars who don't want to accept the reality of the fact that maybe Jesus could really work miracles, that, you know, maybe really he was God living among us. Mary, Mary, that's what exactly what Jesse and I talked about in the hour before, that there are some who deny that Jesus Christ, Godhead, that he could, uh, you know, have miracles take place. And they're saying that it was the generosity of the people because they <laughs> wanted to share their food with everyone. And we've heard that. I know I've been in church with you over the years, and we've heard that. We look at each other and say, oh, pr- pray for Father. Yeah, yeah. He's misinformed. He's misinformed. And, and the reality is, is Jesus Christ is God, and he did work miracles. And what we have here is not a matter of generosity. I mean, the apostles are saying, dismiss them so that they can go off and buy themselves something. Yeah. You're not talking about days when we had picnic baskets and uh, refrigeration and food kept and, yeah. you know— no, the people didn't have anything. And so Jesus is moved with pity. And of course, what does this symbolize? Without God, we have nothing. Amen. Even if we have all the material things of this world, if we don't have God, we have nothing because we weren't made for finality in this world. We're made for union with God. Mm. So our finality is heaven. We want to get to heaven. It was interesting. I was talking to a young man recently and he mm-hmm. said, no, the most important thing is to get to God. He said, you know, sometimes I get the impression people don't understand that about me. They don't realize that that really is my first goal mm-hmm. is to get to heaven. And I said, well, I'm really glad to hear that. I, I think that's awesome. And that's the goal. That is the goal. We want to get to heaven. And in order to do that, we have to live in this earth as if we don't have a finality in this earth. And we have to keep remembering that our security is in God. And so Jesus asked the apostles, well, what do you have? Five loaves and two fish. Okay, fine. Get the people to sit down. And Jesus works a legitimate miracle here. It's a miracle. God can work miracles. He can really intervene in human history. He really does intervene in human history in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. Throughout the history of his people, God is constantly reaching out to us to lift us up. God made us in a state of union with him. We rejected that through sin. Of course, it was Adam and Eve at first, one man and one woman at the beginning. They sinned, but God didn't abandon them to sin. He promised a Messiah who would restore the proper order, that is, would restore us to God's grace. We lost grace. We lost God's life in our soul. Just a a comment, because Thursday we go to pray for priests here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. And when you have a priest who's lost his faith in the sense of Jesus' miracles, it's not uncommon that he's also lost his faith in the Scriptures. Absolutely. That he thinks that the Bible is just another book. Yeah. And so... That's one of the reasons I ask on our last show that are we praying for our priests, our bishops, our Holy Father daily because we can affect them in a positive way. It's easy to point out, oh, that priest is a heretic. No, that priest is in need of prayers. Right. And whether he's a formal heretic or not, that's not for us to judge. That's, that's up true. to the church to judge. Yep. He may have said something that is in error. Material, but, uh, but, but and, and all of us, by the way, are material heretics from right. time to time. That's we all right. say things that are not correct. We don't know it. That's all. We don't always catch ourselves on that. <laughs> but um, And the other deal is, and I've heard very good priests say things like, well, you know, the, the Gospels aren't history. Oh, yeah. And, well, that's not what the church teaches. In the Second Vatican Council, the church says... She unhesitatingly affirms the historicity of the Gospels. She also says in the Second Vatican Council document on verbum dei, which is the word of God, which is first and foremost the person, the Mm -hmm. second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Son of God who became man. 
She says, what is written in the Gospels is what Jesus really did and taught while living among men. Yep. Now, at the end of that sentence, it says, for the sake of their salvation. Mm-hmm. And some scholars like to look at the end of that sentence and say, oh, see, that, that, dis- that discounts the whole thing. All that, all that applies to um, you know, what Jesus really did and taught are only those things that applied to our salvation. Well, the interesting thing about that, in the mind of the church, there is nothing that Jesus did in his humanity that wasn't for the sake of the salvation of man. Every action. Every action, every thought, word, and action, every beat of his heart, every pulsation of his pulsating systems, every breath that he took, every step that he took, all the work that he did in Nazareth for 30 years, hidden away in Nazareth. So everything that Jesus did is for the sake of our salvation. (laughs) He is God-man from the very first moment of his conception in his mother's womb. And everything is for the sake of our salvation. That's not a limiting statement. That's an inclusive statement. It includes his whole life. So what is in the Gospels is what Jesus really did and taught among men. And the church unhesitatingly affirms the historicity of the Gospels. So in this account here, Mm -hmm. Jesus is really working a miracle. He sees the people are hungry. They've been with him. They're tired and hungry. He feeds them. And he feeds them by making a miracle. He takes five loaves and two fishes and he multiplies them, not just to make it enough to feed 5,000 men, also so that they have 12 baskets of food left over. So, and and the point there is God gives us not just enough. I mean, he doesn't, he's not stingy in his giving of his graces. He gives more and more and more. And the more we receive from him, the more he gives. It delights him when we open ourselves to receive from him. And then he gives more and more. So God is infinitely generous. And yes, absolutely, God can intervene in human history. And you know, he doesn't always work a miracle. Um, He works miracles if they're absolutely necessary. And again, Jesus wasn't there to draw attention to himself or to just... um, he wasn't a showman. He wasn't trying to wow everybody. He's God. And he wants the people to understand that God is with them and God cares for them. But his first care is for their immortal soul, mm. their eternal salvation, which, by the way, if we don't take care of our souls, we will be hurting our bodies also because we're a body-soul creature we can't ignore the soul and not hurt the body. <laughs> and if we ignore the body and pretend like we're just a soul, then we're trying to live as if we're angels. We're not angels. We're not pure spirits. Integration. We're in a, we're, and we don't have the gift of integration. Yeah. So we have to ask God for that gift. Mm-hmm. But we are body, soul components. And so we have to take care of both. But the body is going to share in the glory of God in eternity along with the soul if we are faithful to the end, and the grace of final perseverance is not something we can ever merit. It's given for those who ask. So every day, ask for the grace of final perseverance. Ask God for the, the grace to persevere in his grace. And also, St. Francis de Sales teaches that we can never infallibly know if we're in the state of grace. So we need to ask Jesus, if I'm not in the state of grace, put me in the state of grace. If I'm in the state of grace, Keep me in the state of grace. And there's that music, Terry. And when we come back, we'll open up the book of, of Mark, or the shortest gospels out of the four. So we'll open up your Bible when we come back to the gospel of Mark, and we'll, we'll continue to do that Bible study. You're listening to the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thanks for all your support. We'll be right back. Have a great 
This is Terry Barber inviting you to the upcoming Spiritual Warfare Conference, January 11th and 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel in downtown Covina. If you go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, you can join us with that. Or call us at 877-526-2151. Jesse Romero will be there. Father Wolfgang will be there. And our very own Matt Arnold will be there. And I'll be the MC. Don't miss out on this wonderful event, January 11th and 12th. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. We desperately need to fix the bugs so you can listen live on our app or YouTube without any glitches. Plus, meet traditional broadcast standards in order to provide our exclusive programming to Catholic radio stations around the country and around the world absolutely free of charge. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget, but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. And we're talking about studying the, the book of Mark. But before I do that, Mary Danielle, Matthew Arnold, Jesse Romero, Father uh, Wolfgang will be here, and I'll be here for the Spiritual Warfare Conference. I'm a little under the weather, can you tell? <laughs> I think this at this halfway mark, I'm going to cut out for your homemade soup for me to go home and take a nap. Uh, but Mary, Danielle, you're going to be there. You're speaking about the family and spirituality. Or what, what's your topic? My topic is actually going to be on um, something that St. Paul says, oh. and that is that our battle is not just with that's flesh right. and blood, right. but with powers and principalities. And he's warning us that, you know, you don't think that you can withstand the forces against you without God's help. Yeah, and we're going to delve into that and try and bring in other scriptures as to um, where that's brought out in the scriptures that we really need God's help. And, and what does that mean in practicality? How does that work out? What are some of the, the and yeah, it applies to the family because how do we, how do we raise our families and bring about in our families this atmosphere of trusting in God mm. so that we're all relying on God. I, I just, just a teaser. There's a, uh, I don't know if you all know who Ted Bundy was. Oh, yeah, tell us about him. But just briefly, Father Calloway just wrote a book called uh, Ten Wonders of the Rosary. And in that book, he tells a story of how um, a young woman 
keeping a promise to her mother that she, when she went away to college, she would pray the rosary every night before she went to bed for protection. She was in a sorority, and Ted Bundy came, and he attacked that sorority, and he killed a couple of women, uh, injured a couple of others, and then he came to her room, and he opened the door, and she woke up, and there he is. He's standing, and she's face-to-face with his—he was a serial killer, and she's face-to-face with him. And he's standing in her doorway, and he's looking at her. She's helpless. And all of a sudden, he drops his weapon and runs. Well, I want to tell you that story and, and what happened there and the power of prayer and what was the, what was the weapon she was using. A um, little bit of a Good. teaser for Saturday. It certainly is. And if you want to go to the conference, believe it or not, this is the first time in a long, lot of years that we still have room for you the, the week of the conference. And you can call 877 877- Five two six two one five one, or go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. And by the way, Father Don Calloway will be on the Terry and Jesse show Monday to talk about that book. Awesome. Oh, this is great. Yeah. This is tremendous news. You'll well, love it. Well, let's get into the Gospel of Mark. Where were we? Uh, what chapter and verse? Well, it's been a couple of weeks here, so we're just yeah, going fin- yeah. to finish up chapter four here real quick, just the miracles and activity in Galilee. Mm-hmm. And um, Jesus was up in Galilee, and then... They get on the. They get into a boat. It's they're on the on the, the lake at night, and there's this big storm, and Jesus is asleep on the boat, and the apostles are all upset, and they wake him up, and we're gonna perish. We're gonna perish. I mean, these are fishermen. These are guys who you know live on the lake at night. They fish, and yet this storm has frightened them, mm-hmm. and Jesus wakes up and he says to the wind and the waves, "Peace, be still," and everything comes to a calm. And then he says to his apostles, "Why are you afraid? Mm-hmm. Have you no faith?" Mm-hmm. And they're just, they're odd. Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Again, this screams out to everyone present. He's God. This is only God can command the forces of nature. And Jesus commands the forces of nature, not in God's name, in his own name. Amen. And it obeys him. Very clear indication that no, he doesn't have to go around saying, I'm God. You know, no. He, it's clear in the gospel. And to, to a first century Jew who would have been reading this, possibly, even though this was, you know, there were Jews in Rome and there were Jews who spoke the Greek. So they would have said, wow. Isn't that why they wanted to kill him? They said he's, he's, he claims to be God. Yes, it is why, by the way, why they put him to death. That was the final, you know, it's like, no, he, he has to be put to death. He claimed to be God, and that's blasphemy. So he has to be put to death. And Pilate's like, well, wait a minute. And he goes back to Jesus and said, well, where do you come from? And Jesus is like, he doesn't say anything. And Pilate says, wait a minute, you're not going to talk to me? Do you know who I am? I have power over you. I can condemn you or I can release you. And mm-hmm. Jesus just says to him, well, you wouldn't have any power over me except that we're given to you from above. Yeah. And power, Pilate's nervous. He, he's not sure what's going on here, but he doesn't see how he can do this without creating a, a, a riot and upheaval. And he wants to... You know, he wants to have brownie points with the Romans. He wants to keep order in Palestine. That's a tough thing to do, you know. And so he caves into the pressure of the people, yeah. even though he declares Jesus innocent and is beginning to wonder, who is this man? Is he just a man or is there something more going on here? But that's, yeah, for another gospel, for another time. But yeah, beautiful thing to remember, you know, it's, that's why they put him to death yeah. was because he claimed to be God. That was the accusation. That before the political leaders first, they said, well, he's too political, you know, before the religious leaders, well, he claims to be God. And eventually before Pilate, they had to come to the point where they say, well, he claims to be God. And besides which he's setting himself up a king as a king. So 
he's putting himself in competition with the emperor. So you're not going to be a friend of the emperor. That was their, that was their, their, what do you call it? Their trump card. You know, well, if you don't kill this guy, you're not a friend of the emperor because he sets himself up as a king. (laughs) So he's opposing the emperor. Funny thing, funny thing how history repeats itself many times. So in chapter five, we have Jesus and his apostles going up to a territory called the Gerasenes, which is up north above Galilee, Galilee of the Gentiles. And um, they come to the other side, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when they come out of the boat, they were met out of the tombs by a man with an unclean spirit who lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, even with chains. For he had often been bound with fetters and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the fetters he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and bruising himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran up and worshipped him, crying out from in a loud voice saying, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For Jesus had been saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Mm -hmm. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And the unclean spirit said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him not to send them out of the country. Mm -hmm. Now there was a great herd of swine feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, send us into the swine. And he let them enter it. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told the people in the city and the country, and the people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus, and they saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed, and in his right mind, the man who had had legion. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine. Mm. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their neighborhood. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them, how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all men marveled. So that's a mouthful. That's Mark 5, verses 1 through 20. And what we have there is we have this man who's possessed he's not just possessed by one demon no he's possessed by legion and it's interesting because you get some indications here and the exorcist would confirm this what are some of the signs of true demonic possession well number one the man has superhuman strength they have tried to restrain him with chains and fetters and nobody has chains and fetters strong enough to restrain this man and you know, maybe there was a man who was big enough and strong enough that he could have broke chains and fetters on his own human power, but not every man can do that. And this man had superhuman powers. And and it also, what is he doing? He lives among the tombs day and night, and he gnashes himself with stones. Why would he be doing that? The demons hate us, and they hate our bodies, by the way. It's not God who hates our body. It's the demons who hate our body because the second person of the Blessed Trinity became man. 
He took our human flesh, and our human flesh also was made in the image and likeness of God. It's not just our soul that's in God's image and likeness. It's our own body that's in God's image and likeness. And so the demons hate that. They're jealous of us, and they want us to destroy our bodies. You know, but it's interesting. Contraception. What do we do? Many people, they get sterilized. What are you doing when you sterilize yourself? You are mutilating your body. A visectomy, a tubal ligation. You're mutilating your body and you're taking a perfectly normal, healthy organism and rendering it unhealthy. This isn't from God. This is from the demons. They hate you. They hate your body. They hate everything about you because God made you in his image. And they were supposed to help you to be like God. Mm -hmm. And they weren't going to be allowed to reproduce their own image in you. They were going to have to reproduce God's image in you. And they're like, wait a minute. Now, that means I have to serve? And these guys are, to uh, to to the, the angels, I mean, the angels are pure spirits. Intellectually, they are way beyond us. In power, they're way beyond us. Because they are still pure spirits, even though they've sinned and fallen, the, the bad ones. So beware, you know, the, the devil, if you, if you find yourself hating your body, wanting to mutilate your body, wanting to, you know, sterilize yourself or do some harm to your own body, that's not coming from God. Also, nudity is also a characteristic of the demonic. Yeah, right. Because what happened was in the garden, yes, man was nude, but he was in the state of original innocence. Right. He didn't know good and evil. Right. And so when, he, when, when Adam looked at Eve, he didn't see her as an object to be used. He didn't see her as a competition. He didn't see her as you know, something to be used or a toy to be played with or a commodity to be bought and sold. And, and she didn't see him in competition with her. They saw each other as persons to be loved, and they perfectly saw God's image in each other. And they had integration. They had this gift whereby all the faculties of their body were in unison with their intellect and their will, and they could direct easily all the faculties of their body to the glory of God. What Mary's talking about is the preternatural gifts. Right, the preternatural gift of, of integration. integration. Which, and we, that was lost. By the way, that God didn't know that to us. It was a gift, and when Adam sinned, he lost it because he, he would misuse it. Yep, yep. And after he lost that gift, now Adam and Eve see each other. That's why they clothed themselves. By the way, what they made for themselves, they took fig leaves and sewed them together. Es- essentially, they made bikinis, guys. You know, that God was the one who clothed them with animal skins. They clothed themselves with fig leaves. Yeah. But um, so they, could, they no longer saw each other as persons to be loved. They're now objects to be used for the first time. So they're looking at each other and it's like, wait a minute. Now they're ashamed. They're ashamed of their nakedness because all of a sudden they recognize you're different now. Mm-hmm. Now I can use you. Now you're just an object. And that's not, that's not of God. And that's why we clothe ourselves, that we clothe ourselves to, or to protect our bodies from the elements, which can now damage us, and also to adorn the temple of God who we are. By baptism, we become temples of the Holy Spirit. And I might add, the theology of the body teaches all of that and much, much more. If you Google theology of the body, you'll get a lot of that. I'm going home early, halfway through, to go eat my wife's uh, chicken soup (laughs) and take a nap. I'm not feeling that well, so you get to enjoy it. I'll listen to it on the app. And again, if you have the old app, tell them about that when we come back. Get rid of the old app, get the new app. 
We'll be back with my wife on The Bible with the Barbers right after this quick break. Matthew Arnold here, encouraging you to go to vmpr.org to register for our upcoming Spiritual Warfare Conference this January 11th and 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. Father Wolfgang will be speaking along with Jesse Romero, Terry Barber as MC, and yours truly, talking about spiritual warfare and the family. Protect your family now. Go to vmp.org and register for this conference. Don't miss it. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. We desperately need to fix the bugs so you can listen live on our app or YouTube without any glitches. Plus, meet traditional broadcast standards in order to provide our exclusive programming to Catholic radio stations around the country and around the world, absolutely free of charge. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget, but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Well, thank you, Jesse, and welcome back. As Terry said, he's going to head on home and try and get some rest and have some homemade chicken soup, and hopefully he'll be feeling better soon. Um, Terry mentioned before the break, we have a new app. In September, we redeveloped the app for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So if you have the old Terry and Jesse Show app, please delete that app from your phone. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and download the new app. So you have the new app, okay? it's It's been upgraded. It's a lot better than the old one. You'll love it. So we encourage all of you to do that and let your friends and family know. I know there are some people still who are listening to us on the old app because I answer the questions that people write on their um, app listeners write in, and some of them are still coming in from the old app. So please take a look at that and see if you have the old Terry and Jesse Show app. And if you do, please delete that and then go on virginmostpowerfulradio.org uh, and follow the instructions there on how to download that new app. Thank you so much. And now we're going to get back here to this demoniac. And it's interesting because Jesus is telling the demons to come out and they're not coming out. So what does Jesus do? He asks, what is your name? 
it's, you know, people, one of the questions I got this week from an app listener was, how do I find out my guardian angel's name? There's a great curiosity about this in the world, and a lot of people want to name their guardian angels. Do you know that the church actually tells us we're not to name our guardian angels? And part of the reason here is this. When you know someone's name, you you gain power over them. We're not supposed to be looking for gaining power over our angel. As a matter of fact, we're supposed to be looking to collaborate with our angel in order to praise the Lord our God and build up his kingdom and to be able to do his will more perfectly. So we don't name our guarding angels. We can call our angel angel. That's fine. Say the angel prayer every day. Have devotion to your angel um, and be attentive to your angel. Your angel will inspire you to read the scriptures. He'll inspire you to pray. He'll inspire you to do your duty and and ask your angel to help you in everything that you do. So we don't want to look for power over the angels. We're not looking for their name. Jesus does this here. He asks what their name is because he needs that power in order to cast out these demons. And he does. He casts out legion. Interestingly enough, they ask for permission to go into the swine. Well, apparently these swine herders were not Jews and there weren't a lot of Jews living in that neighborhood because they have a herd of 2,000 swine And so Jesus gives them permission. They go into the swine and the whole herd of swine goes over the hill. Now, it's interesting that the, you know, the demons were trying to hurt the man and they didn't have the power to kill him without God's permission, but they were causing him to hurt himself. And so once Jesus is casting them out of the man, now they want to hurt something else in creation. So they hurt the animals. They destroy this herd of 2000 swine. The swine herds run off to the town and they bring everybody back. And all the people see this man who was formerly possessed. He's now in his right mind. He's not possessed anymore. And they all ask Jesus to leave. What is going on here? Well, guess what? Jesus is an economic liability. (laughs) He just destroyed their livelihood. 2,000 swine. Now, he didn't destroy them, but he let the demons destroy them. But isn't it ironic and, and can't we do this too? Don't we? This all becomes an opportunity for us to examine ourselves and, and ask us ourselves what are our priorities in life? Because Jesus casts out the demons. This man has been restored. This is a child of God, a brother of Christ, a temple of the Holy Spirit, a man made in God's image. And now he's been restored. And the people are more concerned about their economic stability than they are about the human person. Is that the kind of thing that we have in our world? Oh, gee, I don't know, maybe. Um, yeah, you think maybe when we're willing to kill our children? You know, it's interesting. People cry out about the death penalty and they cry out about the immigrants and whatever. Do you realize how many babies were killed last year worldwide through abortion? induced surgical abortion. I'm talking about induced surgical abortion. I'm not talking about spontaneous natural abortions that occur in a pregnancy. I'm talking about induced surgical abortion. I believe the number is 34 million people worldwide, maybe 36. And nobody's crying out genocide. Nobody's crying out, we have to stop abortion. And if you cry out, we have to stop abortion. Who are you to, to talk? tell a woman? Well, you know, people, what are we doing here? Why are we trying to kill ourselves? Why do we hate ourselves so much that we want to destroy our children through abortion and through contraception? Contraception doesn't always prevent conception. And when it doesn't, it causes spontaneous abortions. (laughs) So, you know, either way, we're hating ourselves to the point that's not from God. That's from the demons. The demons want us to hate mankind. They want us to hate ourselves and everyone else around us. 
they want us to hate God. <laughs> so so Jesus gets the, the power over the demons by getting their name. So don't ask the name of your angel. You don't want power over your angel. You want to collaborate with your angel. And by the way, if you want to learn how better to collaborate with your angel, go on the web to opusangelorum.org, O-P-U-S-A-N-G-E-L-O-R-U-M.org, and you can learn. And Father Wolfgang Seitz, who's going to be here at the Spiritual Warfare Conference this weekend, is a member of the Opus Angelorum, and he's a priest of the Orders Canon Regular of the Holy Cross, and they teach you how to collaborate with your angels. So that's something you can learn. So now the people want him to leave because he's an economic liability. And don't we do that to God sometimes? It's like, wait a minute, God. I don't want to give up my pleasure. I don't want to give up my comfort. I don't want to give up my ease. You know, I'll serve you, Lord, as long as life's going to be comfortable and easy and I'm going to have everything I want of this world. God didn't make us for a finality in this world. And Jesus Christ didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. We can offer all of our sufferings in union with Jesus to help redeem the world, even if what we have is a virus, you know, a cold or the flu, or if we get the mumps, or if we have a bacterial infection. All of these sufferings can be offered up. You know, Bishop Sheen once said, our hospitals could be spiritual nuclear power plants if we could teach people who are suffering to offer all of their sufferings in union with Jesus. We need to stop trying to escape pain. We need to stop stop trying to escape the trials of life. And we need to unite our lives to Christ. No matter what happens, good, bad, everything, indifferent, everything can be united to Jesus Christ. He lived. He really lived. He really was a man. He became man. But he didn't stop being God. He was a divine person who took to himself a human nature. So he has power over nature, and he has power over the demons, and he has power to work miracles. And he has power to make us saints and to give us the grace to live according to the way he wants us to. Now, this man who's been restored to his right mind and has had the demons driven out wants to follow Jesus. You think? I mean, if God does something like that for you, it's like, well, Lord, let me, let me follow you. And Jesus tells him, you know what? You go back. Go back to your own people and tell them what God has done for you. So now he becomes an evangelist to tell, and because most of these people up here in the Decapolis are apparently pagans who don't know the Lord. And so now that this man has had this personal encounter with the Lord, he gets this opportunity to go and spread the good news of the Lord and what the Lord desires to do for all of us, not just for him, but for everyone. The Lord wants to draw us into this union, this life lived in union with God, for God, by the power of God. So when Christ comes, we have this reality of mercy and grace. God doesn't want sinners to die in their sin. So he sends this man back to these pagan people to tell them about how much God loves them and how much he wants to give them his grace. And that's what we're supposed to be doing, by the way, We're not supposed to be praying that everybody gets justice. Remember, what you ask for, you will get. So if you're praying that people get strict justice, you're asking God to give you strict justice. Now, in God, justice and mercy are not separate attributes. In man, they are. In God, they're a single attribute. You see, justice and mercy belong to each other in in God in the sense that mercy is just and justice is merciful. 
But at the same time, justice demands that when a wrong has been done, that wrong be righted and that, the, that, that restitution be made. And mercy forgives sins. So God came to save all sinners. There's no sin that's unforgivable. Um, someone sent us a, a video clip of a man who was hes Catholic. He's an actor in Hollywood. Josh Doomham or something like that is his name. Anyway, he was he found he wanted to find out about his ancestry and he went back to England and he found out that his twelve times great grandfather, Thomas and I his last name escapes me at the moment. Anyway, Thomas had been a Protestant and when England went to Protestantism, he Thomas was Protestant, and Thomas became one of the people who tortured Catholics. And Josh, in his commentary, said what this man did was unforgivable. And I thought as I was listening, I said, well, no, that's not the right Catholic attitude because there's no unforgivable sin as long as we're willing to ask forgiveness. If we refuse to ask forgiveness, you're right, we won't be forgiven. And we don't presume on the mercy of God either. We don't say, oh, well, I'll go out and commit this mortal sin and God will give me an opportunity to repent. Don't presume that. Strive against sin constantly and daily. But don't say that the horrors of the past or the crimes that people have committed, just like this Ted Bundy who wanted to kill this young woman and didn't, and I'll tell more of that story on Saturday, God wanted him to repent. Yes, even serial killers, even the Hitlers of this world and the Stalins and the Mussolinis and the, the Titos and, and the, 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 even in the East and the, the communists in China. God wants them all to repent and come to know him. He doesn't want them to die in their sins. And you can look that up in Ezekiel 18:23 and Ezekiel 33:11. It's the desire of God that everyone repent. So after the Decapolis and the Gerasenes, Jesus comes back in the boat and a great crowd is there beside the sea, and a ruler of the synagogue named Jairus comes up to him and says, "My little daughter is ill. Will you come and lay your hands on her?" So he's going along with Jairus to Jairus' home to cure his daughter. And as he's going, a woman in the crowd who's had a hemorrhage for 12 years, and she's done everything she can with the doctors to have this healed, she thinks, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. What faith? Just touch the hem of his garment and I'll be healed. And so she comes up behind him and she touches the hem of his garment. And you know what? We're coming to count down here to the... The time for the break again. I hear the music. We have a few seconds. Um, If you want to make a donation, call 877-526-2151. Or if you want to register for the Spiritual Warfare Conference, we still have room. Remember to download the new app. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and download that new app. And we'll be back in just a few minutes. Terry Barber, I want to invite you to the Spiritual Warfare Conference coming January 11th and 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. It's going to be fantastic. I want to encourage you to sign up by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. One of the speakers is sitting right next to me, Matthew Arnold. Matt, what are you going to be telling our folks about? I'm going to tell them about my journey into the Catholic Church because in my younger days, I was in the entertainment business. I was all involved with cult beliefs and practices like tarot cards and astrology and even channeling. And I had my own brush with the demonic. Wow. Not only Matt... But Father Wolfgang from the Opus Angelorum, popular priest, he's welcome back. 
and our friend Jesse Romero, my partner on the Terry and Jesse Show, will be there. Don't miss it. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call us at 877-526-2151. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget, but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back. And um, Terry had to go home, as he said, to rest. He's been sick. Is there a prayer for him that he gets better? It's a virus, as far as we know. Hopefully something just minor. Also, um, I do have Bible study Tuesday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. here at the chapel Generally, we do it inside the chapel from 7 to 9 p.m., 381 West Center Street in Covina, California. Tonight, however, we will be upstairs in the offices only because there's a funeral in the chapel. Um, and then again on Thursday afternoon from 1 to 3, I do the same material twice. There are some people who just can't make it in the evening, so I try and offer the afternoon Bible study in case you know there are people who want to come out in the afternoons and they're able to come. So you're all welcome to join us there. And... Um, Again, this Saturday, as they mentioned during the break, that we have the Spiritual Warfare Conference. It starts Friday afternoon, and then it'll be Saturday. So please come. So Jesus is, uh, this woman comes up, and she touches Jesus, and she's, she's healed. And, and Jesus says, who touched me? And his disciples are like, who touched you? I mean, this crowd is hemming you in and pushing on you. And, um, but the woman has touched him in faith. She believes that this can happen, and all she has to do is touch the hem of his garment. And she's healed. You know, we receive Jesus in the Eucharist. Do we ask him for the healing that we need? First of all, the spiritual healing. We need to be free of attachment to our sins. We need to be free of sins. We need to be freed of our attachment to the things of this world. And we need to learn how to trust God. There's a lot of spiritual healing that we need in our own lives, every one of us, every day. And when we receive Jesus in Holy Communion, we can ask for this. I mean, this woman just touched the hem of his garment. We receive him in Holy Communion every day. We should be asking for the healing that we need. Most of all, so that we can glorify God and build up his kingdom and do his will. And so the woman realized she had been healed and she comes forward trembling. And Jesus says to her, woman, your faith has made you well. Now, as this is happening, the friends of Jairus come from his house and says, don't trouble the teacher anymore. Your daughter died. And Jesus said, 
fear is useless. What is needed is trust. Just trust in God. And so Jesus comes to the house with Jairus, and the people are making a loud noise, and they're wailing and crying. And, and Jesus says, why are you making all this noise? The, the little girl is not dead. She's sleeping. Interesting comment. She's sleeping. Now, her body has died, but her soul is still alive. And God has the power to reunite the body and soul. He can raise someone from the dead if he so chooses to do. And in this instant, we know, we have a sneak preview, he's going to. He's going to raise this little girl from the dead. He says she's sleeping, though, because her soul has not died in sin. For Jesus, death is mortal sin. When we commit a sin that separates, when we choose with our will to separate ourselves from God, that is death. Now, God can bring us back to life from the death of sin. That's what we have confession for. That's what, you know, we want to repent of our sins immediately. As soon as we recognize that we've sinned, immediately, like St. Mark says, immediately, immediately, it's right now. We can't wait till tomorrow. We have this moment. In this moment, we need to repent of our sins and go to confession Go to confession. You know, Jesus exercised the, the, the demoniac here at the beginning. The exorcists have told us that the most powerful thing, more powerful than an exorcism of an exorcist, is confession. Go to confession on a frequent and regular basis. Padre Pio said once a week. The church counsels at least once a month. And she did encourage devotional confession. Yes, absolutely. You only need to confess your mortal sins. Okay, hopefully we're not committing mortal sins. But we can ask God for the grace not to. Lord, if I'm not in the state of grace, put me in the state of grace. If I'm in the state of grace, keep me in the state of grace. And Lord, keep me from offending you by mortal sin this day. And even give me the grace not to offend you by any voluntary sin. And free us from attachment to sin and to the things of this world that keep us from you. And so he comes to the house and these people laugh and make fun of him. How often is this so true? Today even. Isn't that what the world is doing? Oh, you Christians, you believe in God. You believe that there are miracles. You believe that your God can intervene. And this is all, you know, the demons are inspiring people to do this because the demons don't want us to believe in God. And they want us to to laugh. We don't see God. We can't feel him. We can't touch him. So they try and convince us that the things that we see and feel in this world are more real than the spiritual world. As a matter of fact, the demons try to get us to believe that they don't exist. And then they dupe us into doing horrible things. (laughs) They, They seduce us to follow them. So we want to ask God for the grace to recognize that he is real and that he made us for himself. God made us for himself and our hearts are restless until they rest in him. So when Jesus arrives at the synagogue leader's house, now interesting, he only takes with him Peter, James, and John. Again, he's not here to put on a show for the crowds to see. He doesn't invite the crowd to come along to see this happen. And he goes into Jairus' house. He puts out all these people who laugh at him. She's asleep. She's dead. You know, you think the doctors don't know what they're talking about. Hey, you know, yeah, the doctors may know what they're talking about, but God isn't confined to what the doctors know. God can work outside the realm of what the doctors know. God can bring back to life those who have died physically in the body, and God can heal us. He can bring healing and peace to our bodies just like he cured the demoniac, just like he healed the woman with the hemorrhage and all she did was touch his garment. So now he comes to Jairus' house and he takes the little girl by the hand. This is so tender. 
Our Lord reaches out and takes her by the hand. He loves us. His love for us is so solicitous of our well-being. And he says, Talitha Kumi, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she gets up. Now again, Mark is bringing in his, and immediately, and immediately, he says it twice here, and immediately the girl got up, and immediately they were overcome with amazement. And then Jesus does something interesting again. He strictly forbids them to tell anyone. Wait a minute, Jesus. The neighbors all know the little girl died. Now you raise her from the dead. How are they going to not tell anyone? <laughs> and I, But again, the messianic secret. They, he doesn't want people to carry him off to be their bread to be their bread king. He's not here to work signs and wonders to wow people. You know, he's not a magician. He's not trying to draw attention to the things of this world. His miracles are a proof of his divinity. He's trying to draw us into union with himself. This is the reality that he wants, and so they need to keep the secret. They need to keep the secret that he actually raised the girl from the dead. Now, he had said she's only sleeping. So the people thought she was dead, and yet they're going to see the little girl walking around alive. And so maybe he was right. Maybe she was only sleeping, you know. I mean, you know, he said she was only sleeping. He's the teacher. Maybe he knows more than the doctors do, you know. And so he goes, and, and Jesus wants us to love him not for his miracles, not for the things that he gives us. He wants us to love him for himself. He came to love us. He came because he loved us. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And he wants us to imitate that love. And he wants us to show that same love toward our neighbor and to bring others to him, just like he sent the demoniac once he'd been healed. He sends him back to his own people to bring the love of God to his people to help his people to know and understand the beauty of a life lived in union with God, the joy. It doesn't remove suffering from life. The apostles had to suffer. Our blessed mother had to suffer. St. Joseph had to suffer. You know, Jesus is going to go up to his own country now in chapter 6, and we're going to find out how the people respond to him there. You know, this is suffering is part of life. Why? You know, I, I heard somebody once say, oh, well, you know, God made everything, so he must have made abortion. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where do you come up with this conclusion? Well, the deal is this. People don't understand. God made everything that is, everything that is good. Sin is not good, and it's not a thing. It's actually a rejection of goodness. Sin is the rejection of God and all the good that he has made. So you see, when we sin, we're not creating something we're rejecting creation. We're rejecting the beauty and the goodness and of God and what he has made. So you see, when we sin, it's not a thing. It's actually an absence of being. And so the idea that God created evil, no, God didn't create evil. God, God is good and God is love. And everything that God made is good. And he is only love, always love, everywhere love forever, for all eternity, unto ages, unto ages, unending. And he loves, and he pours out his love, and that love is his life, and he shares that life with us. But he gives us total freedom. God could have created a universe of automatons, but he didn't. 
God is love, and so he wants his creatures to be like him. He wants them to love, even as he loves and is love. And so he made us free. And it's a dangerous thing because we can misuse our freedom. And we don't always understand things clearly. So we can get confused about what the true good is. We were made by God. We were made to choose God. So when there's evil in the world, it's not God who made the evil. And it's not God making evil. And it's got not God causing people to do bad things. And by the way, every bad thing that happens isn't necessarily the devil either. Because of original sin, we are inclined to evil. We no longer live in union with God. We don't have integration. So it's easier for us to sin than it is to do good. Any good that's done in this world, we need to thank God for. Because any good that's done is done through God, through God's help, through the mediation of the good angels. They help us to do good. Evil? No, we don't need the devil's help to do evil. We can do a lot of evil on our own just because of original sin, because we are inclined to sin, because we are inclined to turn away from God and choose ourselves or the world and the devil over God. This is what Adam and Eve did. They let their trust in God die in their heart. We don't want to do that. We want to trust God. Like Jesus told Jairus, fear is useless. What is needed is trust. The little girl is sleeping. She hasn't died in sin. She's not dead to him and to God. She's in the state of grace, but her soul is with God, and Jesus can restore that. He can restore life if he wants to restore life. And God wants us to love. So he made us free because only if we're free can we love. And God is love. So if we're going to be like God, we need to learn to love. And you know what? God loved us even when we weren't his friends. He loved us when we were his enemies. So we need to learn to love our enemies and pray for them. And I hear that music again. Somehow or other, that always comes up. So I'll be having Bible study tonight from 7 to 9. It'll be upstairs in the offices, not in the chapel this week, because there's going to be a funeral at the chapel. And if you want to join us, and then again on Thursday afternoon at 1 p.m., we'll have Bible study. Um, If you want to make a donation, call 877-526-2151. We thank you all who so generously support us. Also, those who support us with their prayers and their sufferings and their sacrifices, that is so important to this work. Thank you all for listening. I hope you can tune in again next week, and hopefully Terry will be feeling a lot better. And we hope you have a blessed week filled with the love of God and His grace and His mercy and His St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio. 
sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.